What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sleep Hawk Worldwide Podcast. This is Sleep Dog, along with Tyler Hansborough, the Big Hawk. What's up, everybody? It's a Big Hawk, Big Dog, uh, ready to dissect a lot of stuff. A lot of interesting things have happened since our last pod. Uh, we'll catch you up uh, right now. We have breaking news. Dale, Claire, it's done. It's over. Uh, Big Hawk, I think we called this one. Um, I think we gave it way more time than they actually did. Uh, this is easily the biggest story in the history of Sleephawk Nation. They are done. They called it quits. And the best part about this breakup, <clears throat> according to Claire, she had no clue until Dell posted it on Instagram. Dell posted it on his story, gave a long thing. Hey, look, we're done. Uh, it's a mutual agreement. We both come to, you know, understand each other. It's just not meant to be. Um, bam. Claire gets on her story. This isn't what I expected. I'm heartbroken. I'm stunned. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, we saw it coming. Listen, Claire, I bet you wish you would have explored a little bit more. Uh, it happens. Uh, you didn't find love. You played yourself. You didn't settle for guys like him, but you lost him. Wow. I mean, that's all I can say. I mean, you just you, – you, you, you hate to see it. You love to see it. You don't really understand what you're looking at. It is just a train wreck all around. It make, makes you wonder like um, – like quite frankly, what Dale had going on through his mind, uh, Claire, it was easy to see something like this was going to happen. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, I, I think this is the best part is like, is like watching these people very publicly have the same problem that happens every time somebody breaks up, which is one person says one thing, the other person says the other thing. And then you have this whole backdrop of like, you know, this, this chick was just clearly, uh, you know, a few French fries short of a happy meal. And now, uh, you know, maybe though, well, I wonder if they, I guess they're done recording. I was saying what a storyline if they just pop her in there and see if old Matt likes her. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, she'll be back. No doubt. Yeah. The one thing about Claire is, um, you know, she got a lot of baggage, like we had talked about. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know what Claire was expecting. Uh, I've never seen someone so over gung ho over somebody, especially Dell. But uh, I will say one thing: last time they did a drop in on The Bachelor, you guys can go back and look at it. She said, you know, when Chris asked him, both of them, "Hey, what's next for you guys?" Claire jumped in there. Uh, like a fat kid, like a fat kid at a pool, ready to do a candy ball. She said, "Hey, we got eight kids. We're good about planning this, planning this." You can just see Dell's face just said it all. He just everything in the world just collapsed on him, and uh, you know that said it all. I said, "Listen, I I, I knew it wasn't going to happen, but Dell just verified it right there on TV when they did a drop in. Uh, so it's official. Uh, don't see him getting back together like most couples. They break up, get back, break up, get back, and they have like a significant breakup and they're done. Yeah, this is just reeling me in, man. It's like you can't look away from it. Uh, we're obviously going to get into The Bachelor more here too, but I mean, this whole Claire thing, uh, you know, I just wish that they had let that play out. And part of me hopes that like she's back again in some form or fashion in one of these next, uh, you know, whatever it is, Bachelor, Bachelorette. Um, I don't even know. Uh, but yeah, she is, whew, she's an interesting one. Um, 
there's a lot of interesting ones on The Bachelor, too. Uh, and it's true to form. We've got one in the in the chamber here that we've yet to fire off in terms of a podcast, but uh, a lot of stuff's happened since the last time you heard from us. And uh, I mean, we've had some, some dark horses, you know, move up to the front of the pack and we've had some from the front of the pack move back. And we've had some, uh, you know, that we thought were going to be crazy. That didn't act crazy that started acting crazy. And uh, you know, I'm interested big Hawk to get your rundown of, you know, what Matt's got in front of him and you know who the who the favorites and the front runners are. I've got a clear cut favorite, and uh, she is young, um, but uh, she seems a little uh, more mature than her age. Uh, Serena P. She had a one on one with Matt. Uh, you know, I just felt like she just brought a lot to the table. Well spoken. She was beautiful. Very smart. Uh, and she was open. And the problem with that, when I was watching it, I looked over at your girl and I said, I think she is too good for Matt. And that's not a diss on Matt. The one thing I will say about Matt is, I mean, he's a little tight. I mean, we're trying to get there. This is what we tune in for in the bachelor bachelorette series is a little chaos, a little craziness. And we got this ignoring girl, Victoria on there. That's providing it all. And Matt is just a dictionary during this whole time. But Serena P she's my absolute favorite. Uh, you know, she's a clear cut head and toes above everybody else. Uh, I think she's beautiful. She's in the driver's seat for me. And then we got Sarah who, uh, you know, she's, ah, uh, should I leave? Should I go? Should I come back? She's got a lot of things on her mind. Um, she's trying to steal time from the girl. She's causing all this chaos and she's coming in, breaking up group dates. She's breaking up one-on-ones and she's staying in the room and old Matt can't see past the, past the wool in his eyes. Um, Listen, Matt, you're not that smart, man. When when this girl gets over on you like this, where she gets these one-on-one times with you, she's just going to keep on doing that, buddy. And they're gonna, there's going to be a point where Matt's like, oh, she's playing me. No, Matt, you played yourself, buddy. Uh, you know, he also, I think he went in there and said, he talked some shit to some girl about, oh, but you went to Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we covered that on the last yeah, pod, too. Yeah, big mistake. Yeah, big mistake, Matt. Uh, also, I know you wear Old Navy. Um because Old Navy provides big and tall clothing. And I got a jacket from Old Navy, uh, very cheap, but it is big and tall. And I tell you what, I wouldn't wear it on national TV. Yeah. Uh, he did post something that uh, my girlfriend sent me on his Instagram that said people keep saying he looks like Frozone, which is, I think, some dude off of one of these like uh, Pixar movies that I have like seen, and it is kind of comical. Um, and then, you know, I was thinking he's like a mix, looks kind of like like Gumby, and there was somebody else that dude's just you know those pants he had on, bro. They look like they belong to me. What is he like six five? Those pants were were five six. Um, anyway, man, yeah, I don't know who's dressing you out there. Maybe uh, you know, maybe they had some budget cuts in the styling department due to COVID nineteen. But you know, uh, whoever sticks with you looking like that, you know, you better stick with her, Sarah. Man, I'm telling you. So early on, she was the one that I called as like, man, this girl's gonna be crazy. And then the first couple of episodes. Episodes, I was like, wow, like I, I really, you know, uh, yeah, I called it wrong here. Uh, mark my words, she'll be back. This whole like Bennett Noah thing from the last season, and now you got Claire. Dude, this is their new mo. I saw the teaser. I think for the next episode is like apparently some women are going to show up. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like Claire's going to be in there. What a freaking humdinger if she is. Um, 
But Sarah, not going away forever. Uh, you called it that, you know, they all got a story. You know, it's it's when they start crying and freaking out and, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, they all come just – they swing for the fences with the sob stories and, like, mm-hmm. you know – uh, you know, part of this stuff, I guess, is like really real. So it's kind of fucked up that we will be like talking shit about her, 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 her family situation. So that's not the intention. But like I said, uh, once if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Uh, I'm here for the drama, uh, and I'm not here for the Make a Wish Foundation. So I apologize in advance. But it is what it is. The chick is is off the rails, and uh, she's off the show. Yeah, and I will say one thing. Uh, when we saw about you said the the Noah and the Benedict thing last uh, last uh, show, the one thing about Tasha is she was kind of gangster in the fact where she would keep them around and then like, oh, you want to drag on my show, and then she'd get rid of them both. And I don't see Matt playing that card. I don't think Matt has that in him. That was and, a savage move. Yeah, and you know, Tasha, you know she. I think Tasha looks good. I think she's. I think she's hot. All right, I'll say that. And Zach, Zach's not. Period. And I can see a Dale Claire situation like this where Tasha just realizes that her family keeps talking to her. What are you doing? Uh, so keep that in mind too. But also, one thing I will say about this this show with Matt is how many times can you fake laugh, and how many times can you go unnoticed? If this guy keeps laughing every single awkward moment. Uh, it's, it's his, his laugh drives me crazy. It's not genuine. It's not a real laugh. And I don't know if anybody else it's bothering other people like it's bothering me, but his laugh is so fake and ingenuine. I can't take this. I can't take this motherfucker serious. The big Hawk is a trendsetter. Uh, he knows what's, he knows what happens before it's going to happen because not only did he call the laugh and, 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 you know, as we, if you've listened to the show, you know, we have our, you know, CDC approved, uh, bachelor watch group. Um, when the mm-hmm. show comes on and one of the biggest, biggest call outs the big Hawk had about Matt was him kissing with his eyes open and never was it more on, uh, uh more prevalent than in the last episode. The laugh is awful. Uh, if it is real, uh, you need to, you need to take it to Sears and exchange it for a new one. Uh, the kissing with your eyes open, bro. Like you gotta, you gotta fix that man. Like you're creeping people out. You're creeping us out. Uh, God knows if one of those girls, poor girls opens her eyes, just, you know, uh, can feel you just staring a hole through her. She's going to be scarred for the rest of her life. I mean, you look like a serial killer. Uh, gotta be close contact like that, man. Get it together, dude. Put some sunglasses on, do what it takes, man. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be better than that. Um, it's just weird. And you know, the laugh thing again, yeah, it is terrible. It's weird, man. This guy's like, you expect, um, He's just like like a cardboard cutout, man. Like he doesn't really have. He seems nice enough, but like the whole religion thing, like doesn't really fit well with the bachelor. Look, I'm all for it. If you're religious, go for it. Like there's no problem there. But it's just not a very. It's not a bachelor thing. Um, and the one, so I, I keep the I keep the roster on deck as I'm going through here because Lord of mercy, there's a there's a slew of these girls. Is it Katie that showed up with the toy? the the sex toy on the first show i think it is i'm not sure but she is the one that was like to me was like the most impressive because she was like handling it all i mean she was like basically like (laughs) a motivational speaker the damn bachelor chris hansen dude you're you're uh or harrison whatever your name is bro uh your job is in jeopardy because uh i mean dr phil look out bro because this girl's got it together yeah she gave i mean she was on point um and I will go back and uh, I will say the kissing with the eyes thing. 
we were all sitting there watching and it was brought to our attention. I said it, no one really, like I, I felt like the people I was watching with kind of heard it, but they didn't really dissect it. But then this time it like this episode, everyone noticed and it was clear and everybody's like, Ooh, and listen, if you kiss with your eyes open, is that normal? Do people do that? DM us on our Instagram. Let us know if people kiss with their eyes open. Also, I feel like if you do kiss with your eyes open, you close them until you're comfortable around that person. And they know you're not a freak or a creep whenever you do that. God forbid one of these girls fucking opens their eyes while they got fucking um, Matt just hawking them down right there as he's just fucking kissing them. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's weird. Like, I mean, it's not like you got to have your eyes closed the whole time. Like, but dude, like, what is this guy? It's like just the first guys, girls, guys ever kissed him. He's kissed about 14 of them in a row. True bachelor, uh, you know, form there. And, you know, it just never, every time, like we were arguing at one point that his eyes were closed and you couldn't really confirm it, man. Like he was getting, got him a little side. I think even the cameraman is like, bro, this is so weird. We got to catch a different angle, man. You got to close them things. Close your peepers, bro. Yeah. And here's the thing is, uh, is there kissing etiquette? Like, I don't know what the protocol is on this, but, uh, I could tell you this 2 a.m. players up against the mirrors, my eyes are closed. Nobody's eyes and, open. Yeah, there ain't nobody's eyes open. <laughs> and if I'm closing my eyes under those circumstances, you better believe on national TV when I'm being filmed, all different angles, and you know I got a reputation uphold. My eyes are shut. I'm making it a point, and uh, I, I don't know what in the hell that problem is. Slam shut. I mean, you got to get you got to get over that part, buddy. I don't know what you got going on. I know what kind of complex it is. You know, everybody's got these deep rooted. Uh, what are they called? Um, sociological issues, perhaps. Maybe it's psychological. I don't really know, but um, not exactly a doctor or a scientist. But oh, man, you gotta whew, you gotta get that one under under wraps, man. Um, and especially as it relates to one of my girls that I feel like has fallen to the back of the pack, which is Abigail. Right? It's like um. I'm trying not to go down that road, but she's lacking one sense already. And she's got this other one. You're going to ruin it for her when she opens her eyes, man. Like she's going to freak out. Um, you know, and, and I thought like she was by, clearly a friend. This was amazing. And you got to remember everybody like this is my first time really going through this. And after the first show, I mean, I was like, how's Abigail not going to win? Right. Um, well, what happened, Abigail? Like no time, no, no nothing. Uh, let's see here. Old MJ, she's fallen to the back of the pack. Um, MJ's a top five for me. Yeah, I mean she's she's in she's 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 a contest. Like she is a contender in my book, but she needs to get that quality time. Uh, the young kid, uh, Kit. Uh, yeah. I like her attitude. I like her. her, She is not there to be fucked with, period. No, she's not. But I feel like she's kind of like, she's there and she's going to make it through a few rounds. But I don't see her as a true contender. Uh, And then the girl, uh, Maggie or Maggie. Yeah, she's she's, from uh, Ethiopia. I want to see her and Matt kind of do a one-on-one. I'm curious to see what happens there. I think she's got a little... um, 
She's got a little jazz to her. She's got a mean streak in her. She's got I a little mean her streak. Yeah, she's got like a little like she she keeps it interesting. So I want to see what's up with that. I feel like she's probably like, listen, dude, I had to come over here and quarantine for 14 days and you won't even talk to me. Uh, you're about to find out some shit you don't want to find out if you don't, uh, you know, get to know me a little better. And then uh, the other one, uh, Sarah, she'll be back. Like I said, there are two Serenas. There's a Serena C, which is um, the flight attendant I'm seeing from San Francisco. Serena P is 22. I did not realize that. Uh it doesn't even talk about how old Matt James is. And then she's old for her age, though. So yeah. She's very mature. Um, and Serena C, we talked about this red flag situation, flight attendant. We yep. called that pre bachelor, I think. Big problem. Um, yeah, it, it has its perks, but uh, be on guard. And Victoria. I'm telling you, man, I called it first. All you guys that look at the spoiler alerts and the blogs and everything, there is something in Matt's contract. Is it? I think it's 30 chicks that show up to this thing. There is something in Matt's contract that says, listen, there's 30 chicks here, and or on, on a normal season, you get to pick whichever one of those 30 you want. And this season, we're telling you that you cannot send Victoria home until X time. She is contractually locked into this show because I don't know if I guarantee you when Matt does kiss her, he closes his eyes. Um, not calling her out for the looks. She's not She's not my cup of tea by any means. She is certifiably insane. That is um, a great call. I, I mean, close my eyes. Uh, boy, that is. Close um, my ears. Yeah. Uh, close my mouth immediately. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I want to see a one-on-one just to see what happens there. Boy, I can't wait. I can't wait. She might. Uh, she might. She might trump it, man. She might not get the rose, and they might try to send her home. And she might start an insurrection of the damn bachelor house and and start a march on uh on the driveway. She's one like I mean I like I said this is I'm this is my first bachelor. You know, second if you count count the bachelorette, I guess they all fit under one umbrella. Uh, I got a feeling, man. I'd be. I would love to know in the DMs uh, who gives her a run for her money in terms of all time crazy. I mean, if there's a Hall of Fame for crazy for the Bachelor's show, been on 10, 20 years at this point, buddy. She's a she's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, DM us that. I would love to know if there's any true like bachelor, bachelorette, uh, diehards out there. Tell us where she ranks because we think she is out there. She is wi- way out there. Uh, field of dreams, left field in the corn, ain't coming out. Just whew, she's she's a one of a kind, and and appreciate the fact that she's there. This is like watching great. This is you know as sports fans, you get to watch Tom Brady, you get to watch you know Tiger Woods, you get to watch Kobe. Well, you're watching greatness in front of you because this chick doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks and it is absolutely pure unfiltered entertainment um we're gonna i can't wait to see what happens on monday and you know this storyline just keep on coming when is the next one do they only do this like once a year or do they do this like twice a year I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not well versed. I always kind of tune in whenever it says, but I've never really paid attention how many uh, seasons per year happen. Uh, boy, I'd love to have another bachelorette or yeah, bachelorette around the corner. Yeah, um, just imagine how great this is going to be when everybody they can go out and do stuff. I can't wait to see these dates and stuff are so stupid, but I mean, I guess it's because of COVID. Um, understood. So, uh, 
Anyway, uh, one of the other things that, you know, we keep talking about hitting us in the DMs, and I have noticed that the followers are really starting to trickle in here on our Instagram. So you better get on board because at a certain point, you know, we might have to slam the door shut, turn it into private, and then you're going to have to get on wait list to see what's going on here. Uh, Big Hawk's always posting stories. Uh, I'm usually not, but uh, I need to. And, uh, yeah, we do answer our DMs, except there is one request that we have outstanding. I think we all know who that is, and, um, you know, Maybe one day they'll earn a, earn the right to um, you know to chime in, but for now we're gonna we're gonna wait till the time is right. But yeah, get out there, follow us. Uh, content is about as good as you're gonna find anywhere short of the Bachelor on ABC. Yeah, we're gonna get Cam's take here in a bit if we have time if we uh, can fit him in on the podcast. But he's uh, been dying to get on here, begging for. So we said we'll give him a little slide if we have time. So we'll see if we get that uh, towards the end. But uh, yeah, we're always we're active on social media. Hit us up, let us know what's up. We will talk about anything. Yeah, let us know. Uh, one thing we uh, need to talk about: the Tar Heels. They're uh, starting to look a little better here. They fell last we talked to uh, to Florida State, which you know we're gonna let Big Hawk dive into that game and and the, and the the most recent uh, sort of bounce back win that was pretty impressive last night. And uh, you know, uh, Big Hawk says we're a second half team. Um, as you all know, like I'm having trouble uh, getting an opportunity to watch some of the games, uh, so I'm gonna turn it over to Big Hawk and let him run down, you know, where the Tar Heels are. Yeah. So uh, I think the last pod. So we lost at Florida State. Like I said, Florida State's a very good team. Uh, tough at home. Uh, they have a very good freshman in MJ Walker, which I gave a little story. Uh, predicted predicted us to win by one uh, pregame. Uh, obviously, that didn't happen. Um, MJ had a great game too. He's a really good player. Uh, but Florida State's physical. They're tough. We didn't handle that handle it well we played good in spurts but uh keep in mind that i predicted a second half of the year team and in 2021 we've only lost one game keep that in mind also uh so we beat wake forest last night there's two things i took away from that game one wake forest is awful they're one of the worst teams i've ever seen in the acc since i've been watching shout out to matt james and two uh Caleb Love really came on last night. And, uh, you know, one thing I like about this, and I've noticed it with Garrison, I've noticed, noticed it with Caleb, is sometimes these guys are putting expectations on on themselves that may not be realistic. They buy into the media. They start playing for these perfect expectations, and they get down, they get upset. And I saw Caleb in the second half really start to enjoy basketball. And that was great to see because Caleb is a hell of a player. He's extremely talented and he's going to be a great basketball player for, for us for this year. And I think we're just starting to see him kind of come along, but also we saw RJ Davis who's been playing really well. Dayron starting to come on. Armando has been unbelievable. Uh, I would say this year he's playing very, very good. He's playing tough. Um, and uh, I like to see that. I, I, I think we're starting to gel. You're starting to see Playtech actually at times come in, play really well, and kind of find his role. Uh, but one thing I was thinking about, and I was talking to one of my buddies, and you know, this is a tough year for, for the players and the freshmen. If you could think about, you know, you play for, you know, you saw. Duke's not ranked, North Carolina's not ranked, and Kentucky's not ranked. Um, And this hasn't happened, I don't know what they say, 1983 or something like that. But when you go to these places, it just shows you how important the environment, the fans, 
and how fun that makes the experience for these players. And you're really starting to see that with COVID, with no fans, and, you know, just this different different environment. And so, you know, in my mind, I was thinking, I was like, yeah, you're right. So that's why we see sometimes these guys get discouraged. You know, sometimes they don't have that energy to feed off the crowd or bring them up sometimes like they would in an environment at Kentucky, at Duke, at NC. So I would say this might be the toughest year for college sports for a lot of these athletes. I don't know what you think about that, uh, but you know, given the COVID, no crowd, how do you think it's affecting the Duke, UNC, and Kentucky? Because they're both they're all unranked. You know, I think it's a major impact. And I was actually just realizing yesterday or whatever, Duke lost again. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. And it's so weird because like I don't think people even really care. You know, it's weird because, you know, I am used to as like diehard Carolina fans, you know, every time Duke loses, I don't know, in a lot of ways, that's as good as a Carolina win. Right. And and Kentucky is like very close behind that just because we don't really like them either. And I was thinking of that myself, too. I was like, we aren't just not in the top 25 collectively. We are like. I mean, I guess you could argue that UNC is 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 close, uh, but Kentucky's not, Duke's not. You know, they're just on the on the on the opposite end. And you know, we had talked some about this in terms of sports in general, and 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 what the environment brings to the game. There's home court advantage. There's all these things, especially like, you know, what we were talking about before the season started was whether it created an advantage for a younger team that there's no crowd there because there's no pressure. Right. And there's like, even at home, there is, I would imagine, like an insane amount of nervousness that comes along with with playing in front of a home crowd, living up to expectations. You see how much pressure that puts on guys like Garrison Brooks, who's who's had so much expectation this year. And it's really kind of been, it seems like the the opposite, which is just flat. It's like got to be hard to get hyped up for these games because you're sort of going out there and you're playing like this glorified pickup game. And I think at first it probably doesn't matter that much because you're a kid, you're coming out here, you're playing at UNC, you're playing at Duke, you're playing at Kentucky. Like the whole experience is already good. But then it's very short order. You kind of get used to that. And there's no like big game versus small game. They're Mm -hmm. all just the same. Like we go out here, we play a team that's better than the last one. And maybe there's six people's moms out there like screaming for their kid to shoot the ball or whatever. Like this is a a really shitty high school. But, you know, I I think it's a huge thing. And it's really going to be interesting to me whenever this shit is over uh, to see what a difference that makes. But, but I think there's a direct correlation between that with those teams you just talked about. Yeah. And I would say also is, you know, when you're about to play Duke, when you're about to play North Carolina, Kentucky, I mean, if you're Virginia, Virginia tech, uh, Maryland, Florida state, those places are rocking. And, you know, it's one of the best atmospheres and, you know, you look at it and, you know, I lost at, I think, Florida State once. I'm not sure, but they beat us. And the, even the storming the court and things like that, those are something you were – that's something that you remember about. That's Dude, something you remember. And I, then, I yeah. was there at Castle Coliseum when you guys lost to Virginia Tech. I mean, I guess it's called Castle. At Coliseum, it looked more like a, a – what do they call it? A greenhouse. That place was electric. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like when that Virginia Tech uh, stadium, old school feel, the fans are right on top of you. It's not like one of these new state of the arc, Virginia, where they have the suites and stuff. No, this is old school, no suites, fans, students, 
right on top of you. And I even think they had cowbells uh, <laughs> back when I played, just drilling the thing. And, you know, you, half the time you can't hear anybody. And it makes the game that much more exciting. And also from a fan point of view, as you tune into these games and you watch them, and it's something you kind of – it's just something you kind of look forward to. And now I just can see, like – just kind of the atmosphere being sucked out of it, kind of the life of, you know, college basketball. And it almost feels like, you know, the NBA game, uh, especially regular season where you just tune in, you don't hear the crowd. It's more just the players kind of like that. And, and I just feel like a lot of people are like, well, I can tune in and watch the NBA. Like I watch college because one, I have a connection Two, the fans are really involved, but it's just a, it's a weird year to watch uh, college basketball, especially since you've seen like a lot of these uh, Gonzaga's number one. You see, you know, Villanova is always real strong. You see these other teams that aren't like in the the top conferences, but they have these veteran college players, these juniors and seniors, because they're going to school longer. They may not have been as talented as those one and dones, but hey. They've matured, they've improved, and I actually think Virginia's gotten hot, and they have one guy that is a redshirt fresh, or he redshirted a year. He's a fifth-year senior who is playing unbelievable. He's a big for Virginia. Virginia's really coming on strong. They're a good team, contender. Uh, But it's just a different year in college sports or in college basketball. Yeah, and you see it every year. It's like that's what makes a a UNC versus – you know, you mentioned Maryland earlier. Those games are great, and I miss those. But UNC versus State or Duke versus Virginia or anything, like as soon as the ball goes up, this play, whole place is just electric. You just don't get that in the NBA. Like the NBA, when you watch it on TV, you know, you hear a lot of like music while they're draining the ball up the court and all this sort of shit. Like you don't need that in college because mm-hmm. these kids are like pent up and like ready to explode, right? And then the fans are passionate because, you know, they're just, there's just a, a, a closer, relationship between the fans and the team it's it's more emotional it's a religion right like there's some very passionate nba fans and stuff but it's you know when you get to that level it's more about being the who's who and that sort of stuff and and it's interesting because you know, it kind of makes me think as we're talking through it like kind of one of the cool things about going to unc is the accessibility to some like great basketball players and one of the things that you see a lot in the summer and in the off season is like these guys playing these pickup games and there's you probably know this better than i do but uh you definitely do but there's a lot of like sort of legend about how some of these like lesser known players were so great at pickup games and we've talked about it a little bit but some of that has to do with the fact that you know they're probably taking it really seriously where other guys that are like the star players probably aren't and all this sort of thing but you know two things jump to mind is one that sort of relationship right like every game is effectively a pickup game mm-hmm. and then the other piece is even on TV when we're listening to the NFL watching the NFL you're watching the NBA like so much of the sound that you're getting is manufactured right like so at a college game where there's really most of the time there's just no one there like even the things that you do hear like aren't what the players are hearing they're like hearing sneakers squeaking and like these games where kentucky's there and like uh like calipari like you just hear every word he's saying it's just it's just it's a totally different environment yeah i do like the aspect where you can listen to the coaches and hear him yell and i can hear a coach and i can also hear the the wake forest coach um forbes was going crazy last night uh but i didn't know you i i don't think you know this um and then i'll talk about the pickup so since it's a covid season a player 
does not lose eligibility. So Garrison Garrison can be a senior next year. Playtech can be a senior next year. And then where I think this really helps is a guy who like Walker Kessler, who is seven two legit, has length, he has good hands, he has size, who's gonna be a hell of a college player and probably a really good pro at some point. But he has a lot of improvement to do and kind of like get comfortable playing and get, you know, work on his body a little bit. But that's going to help a guy like him become a hell of a player. And if he's a freshman next year and he doesn't have to be considered a sophomore, I think that's a win for UNC. I think it's going to be a great to have him possibly for five years if he doesn't leave early. Early And also, to, to your point about pickup, is there some guys out here like Rayshon Terry, uh, you know him. I mm-hmm. mean, he's one of the best pickup players I've ever played with. If you go watch our pickup games and then go watch our game games, um, you know, sometimes you'd be like, ah, yeah, some, some of the best players in pickup don't necessarily – it doesn't really translate. I don't know what it is. Uh, it's like that with every sport. Uh, every sport. Sometimes when the light lights come on, Think people get a little tight. They start acting a little different. But Rayshon Terry is the best pickup player I've ever played with. Well, and I, and I think it's you know it's like one of the things we talked about a couple pods ago. Like everybody's on when the lights are on. You know, like everybody's going to give it there. You know, whether they're nervous or not, notwithstanding. I'm talking about everybody came to play when, yeah. when people are watching. Right. I mean, the other thing you got to remember is a lot of these guys are college kids. Man, they might have some girl there. You know, they know they're watching on TV. I mean, there's all kinds of motivations, right? That are totally different when there's in, in, in 21,750 people watching in Dean Dome, and then however many you know on TV, but. You know, I think this is a season that, um, you know, it's ironic because we're going through a lot of this uh, uh, in our fantasy basketball league. It's so, like, unpredictable how the games are switching. I just traded, dude, Jeremy Grant in a second-round pick for Kevin Durant. Uh, if my league lets it hold, which they should if they're good people and do and are, are all about doing the right thing um, – I should win the championship, but you don't know because COVID might just steal them all away from me. Uh, but it's just, it's just interesting. Like we're going through the same thing. Like a lot of stuff is out of people's control. And I think in some ways it's kind of a relief that all this is going on during this season. Maybe things would be a lot different if, if, you know, fans were there and whatnot. But. You know, it's it just feels to me, at least, and a lot of the people that I typically interact with during a normal season, that it's a lot less live and die, and a lot more just sort of like, okay, uh, you know, we'll take it, uh, you know, we'll take whatever the outcome is, and that's a you that in itself is a unique situation for a UNC fan. I, I will say the thing about you just pointed out about the COVID is I watch I watch a ton of NBA games. I love watching the NBA. I think it's the purest form of basketball out there. Uh, the players are the best. And I know our audience is mainly college, um, but there's no better basketball out there than the NBA. I don't care. You cannot argue that. One thing I like about COVID that it's really brought to light is a lot of players that wouldn't play that aren't rotational players are getting minutes. And you never know what's gonna what you're gonna expect. And it's added this like uh, this unexpected factor to it. Like be ready, literally next man up and you've heard it you know you've heard it in every every sports team been like you know when their star gets hurt next man mentality 
<clears throat> how do you have a next man mentality when Kevin Durant gets hurt? How do you have a next mentality when Pat Mahomes gets hurt? These guys aren't replaceable. Next man. Nobody's going to replace these guys. But what it does do is it gives these guys that wouldn't get minutes a chance. So uh, I'm watching this kid, Pritchard, for the Celtics, and a lot of people won't know who he is. Uh, he, I think he was the only, only senior drafted in the NBA draft this year, which is <laughs> says a lot. But, I mean, I love his game, and I think – because of COVID, I think he's going to get looked from other teams. And I think he's, you know, making himself known a little bit. And I like watching, I like seeing that. Uh, and it's, uh, it's added an interesting factor, uh, I would say for sure. Yeah, it's been a fun, anybody that plays fantasy anything, it's been a fun year to have a fan. I'm in a fantasy basketball league with 14 teams. So, I mean, you want to talk about a thin free agent market, uh, thin waiver wire, thin, extremely thin free agent wire because everybody's picking up and dropping players just to get games in the lineup. Uh, but it, you're right, man. It has made watching some of these, you know, uh, lesser known players like I traded Jeremy Grant for Kevin Durant man like and Jeremy Grant is a hell of a player and I get the people listening at home might think like who the hell is that a and b Kevin Durant is like way better than that guy sure but like in fantasy man you're looking at straight statistics and 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 guys like Jeremy Grant granted he's an interesting story to me and I, it was such a hard thing to trade him because I had sort of like you know done my research on him and I was really excited to get him and he really he's one of these guys that's such a cool story because he bet on himself in free agency and I always like when guys do that and he is Detroit's like only dude on their team with a pulse Caleb or uh, uh, Blake Griffin, dude, that guy is, is uh, he's done. And Tyler mentioned to me earlier that he does not have a slam dunk all season. And in a world where all we care about is like obscure stats, that might be the craziest stat I've ever heard in my entire life. We're like 10, 15 games in the season and Blake Griffin hasn't even dunked the ball yet. Uh, anyway, it's just super interesting. You mentioned Mahomes. Um you know, that's our next topic really is, you know, last week that was the huge storyline. It was a weird hit. It didn't really look like, uh, you know, your standard concussion, just slamming your head on the ground or anything. But it was scary when he got up. And, uh, you know, it's going to be scary for the Chiefs if uh, he doesn't suit up. I agree. Uh, I watched the hit. As soon as he got up, I was like, oh, he's got a concussion. But for some weird reason, uh, Kansas City fans, I'm from Missouri, family in Kansas City. Kansas City fans seem to think that it's a nerve issue in their neck. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that the nerve uh, issue that ended Peyton's career basically in Indy and had multiple surgeries, lost a little feeling? And they're like, oh, no, I think it's a concussion. <laughs> Listen, yeah, from from the what I saw, it looked like he got tackled weird. And uh, it was a weird tackle, weird play. But it looked like his head kind of bounced off the – the ground and uh whenever you have that adrenaline and you get that hit he looked like he popped up and uh i think he got i think he got hit so hard his uh you know his dude he, he just thought he was on cartoon network yeah, when so he his stood instincts up. took over and he popped up and he's like oh a little woozy but i mean he has a concussion uh listen if chad henney's uh playing on uh, sunday better get the henny uh <laughs> pull the henny out it's gonna be a long day uh i don't do they play the bucks uh, great question. Yes, no, right. no. The Bucks are in the NFC, so they play uh, the Bills. Oof. 
I think with Mahomes, I think the Bills is going to be a tough match. Yeah. Uh, if if you got Chad Henney back there, <laughs> the funny thing about uh, Henney was I was watching uh, I was watching TV. He is on he is not on social media except for LinkedIn. <laughs> and the funny thing is, he was saying, "Well, you know, if the the backup quarterback position doesn't work, you know, I need to get a job." And so, I mean, I thought that was hilarious. Anytime you got a quarterback with a plan B that involves LinkedIn, uh, you better hope Pat Mahomes is okay. To me, the hit was was scary because I thought when he got up and was kind of lackadaisical like that, it almost looked to me like – like his chest fell on the ball. And I, I don't know what any of that means, but it, it, I was like, man, could he have possibly like, you know, thrown himself into arrhythmia or something? If he does, is that an issue? Like, again, I'm an idiot, but it was just like a scary situation. And the cool thing about Mahomes, I think, is he's so likable, right? Like, maybe it's because he's on the Chiefs or maybe it has to do with Andy Reid. Maybe it's the State Farm commercials. Maybe it's the fact he's just fucking good, right? But he's fun to watch. He's not a dick. Uh, and he's just like, you know, he he doesn't show off. He's not Cam Newton. Uh, he doesn't get in people's faces. He's not like Tom Brady. He's just cool, calm, and collected and just blows people out. And so it's good for the league. It's good for the game. You know, uh, I'm I'm all in on the Bills. That Bills Chiefs game like would be awesome, and I wouldn't really care who wins or loses that one. I'd love to see either one go on. Uh, Bucks Packers is what's going to be the NFC, and that's pretty cool because I mean, let's face it, dude. If you're not a Tom, whether you're a Tom Brady fan or not, if this dude pulls off a Super Bowl, that is the biggest fuck you in the history of professional sports to the Patriots and Belichick. Uh, and and if I'm Tom Brady, which he won't. But if I'm Tom Brady, I'm just like, all right, guys, I've done what I came to do. I'm out. He'll come back again next year and try to win again. Um, but that that game is going to be great uh, because, you know, Green Bay doesn't really have a defense to speak of. The the Bucks do. Uh, I think you. I think at this stage, like. Aaron Rodgers is not necessarily the better quarterback. He's just the more dangerous quarterback. And then that, you know, that that Chiefs Bucks game all or uh Chiefs uh Bills game all just comes down to whether Mahomes plays or not. I agree. Um Yeah, so yeah, whether Mahomes plays, it's a game. Um I'm gonna go with KC. I do like Mahomes. Um but I mean, he's just—I mean, he's arguably the best player in the league. He's going to be the best player in the league for years. I uh, hope he's okay. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I don't really think you can rush back from a concussion nowadays. Um, but it'll be interesting to see when he's cleared, if he's cleared, how the how this whole thing works. Uh, yeah, you said it, Tom Brady, and also Gronk. Uh, Gronk's got it in him. He—he's not scared to, you know, get on Speaking there. Speaking of concussions, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's not scared, but Aaron Rodgers had a hell of a year. Uh, we'll see uh, what happens there. Um, I'm gonna pick. Um, I'm gonna pick the Bucks. I think their defense is really good. I think Tom Brady's. Uh, you know, I just think they're that good, and I think him and uh, Antonio Brown are starting to get a hell of a chemistry going. In Gronk, I think they've been there so much. I think they're gonna win it. Um, but uh, those are my predictions. We'll see what happens. I'm still um, curious to see. Uh, what Henny does if he plays. That would be comical if he plays and he wins. Yeah. Um, so you heard it. Uh, Sheed the Prez, where are you, buddy? You know, we, we need you on the wire. I mean, on the, on the, on the waves here, you know, letting the people know who to pick, uh, which essentially is, you know, whoever you don't pick. Uh, I think this is a great time to come out of hiding, man. Like, 
you know, uh, put the fire out, uh, fire up the cell phone, uh, and and give us your thoughts, man. The spreads are probably out by now. Um, and and Sleephawk Nation needs to hear from you, buddy. The Big Hawk has gone out on a limb here and picked the Chiefs and doesn't even know if Pat Mahomes is going to play. What's your excuse, buddy? We're looking for you, man. These people are the the the, the fans are just they demand it, and you got to rise to the occasion, buddy. It's playoff time. Yeah, uh, she. We're expecting a lot from you. Uh, it looks like uh, I don't know. It's eight o'clock. He's still coherent. Um, yeah, so we're gonna need some predictions. She hit us in the DM. Should we get this motherfucker on the podcast to break some shit down and see what goes through his thought process and see if there is a thought process? Um, but oddly enough, he's had some. You know, fantasy wise, he's done pretty good in the Doopsy Daisies League. And uh, you know, like I said, we played ourselves, but. I will say um, his picks have been off lately. I'll tell you, it was not done good in the Doopsy Daisies or the daily leagues that we put together that no one joins. But your boy Sleep Dog's probably going to have to file some gambling losses on his taxes. Um, they're not big ones, you know. We're not, uh, you know, like like we said when we started here. You know, our our primary expense is uh, is gold chains and ice, so we don't really, you know, we we're not neglecting it. It's starting uh, to be whiskey, though. Yeah, it's starting to be whiskey. Uh, it's for me, it's uh, really starting to be some uh, second place uh, fantasy captain mode lineups on 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 uh, DraftKings. But uh, yeah, we uh, got a leak. We told you about it, and you know, sometimes you join, sometimes you don't. Uh, but you're more than welcome. Um, you know, we've, you've heard, heard the big Hawks picks. Uh, I'm not giving mine just cause I don't feel like it. Uh, if you want them, come see them on, uh, on Instagram. Uh, I'm going to sit back like Bernie Sanders and see what happens. Uh, and then, you know, before we get out of here, big Hawk, I know you haven't seen the second part of the Tiger Woods documentary and we talked about it in the first or the previous episode that no one has heard yet. Uh, I guess they will hear it by the time they hear this one. Um, the whole thing is just is just wild. Uh, you got to watch it if you haven't. You know, we, we've already talked about the previous episode. The next episode is really the sort of like explosive stuff that that came out. And I think what happens, it kind of gets into him. Um, you know, parting ways with his caddy. Uh, it's basically all about life after his dad. It's about how he got, you know, escaped it in, in Las Vegas and uh, tried to escape this this reality. And, and you know, one of the big rubs on the documentary from, you know, the Tiger loyalists, you know, frankly, like me, were that this thing is just stirs up old demons and he's passed these things and, you know, he's apologized and he's gotten help and he's really got himself and everybody's back behind him and like, why now? And, and dragging this out. There's a reporter from the National Enquirer which is who really exposed all this stuff. And he is just not a likable guy, as you might imagine. He's just a prick and really gives media in general a bad name. Um, It's definitely worth watching. I just took away, like I was talking to my buddy today, as a matter of fact, who said, you know, he thought it was awful. And, And honestly, I didn't think it was that bad. Um, I'm, I'm a huge Tiger Woods fan. Uh, you know, the guy went through all kinds of crazy stuff. I just enjoy watching him play golf because, like we said before, anybody that has ever played and then watched him plays just has a different appreciation for for what he can do in golf than probably what other athletes can do in their sport. But uh, you know, it is absolutely must see TV. It is not as good as the Last Dance, um, but it's pretty damn good. 
Yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. I much respect to Tiger. Uh, you guys know my thoughts. I'm not the biggest Tiger fan, but, uh, you know, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing his insight, uh, what he went through and how he handled himself. Um, apparently the documentary is not as telling as we want it to be. I thought it'd be a tell all, maybe have some of these, uh, girls on there that he was cheating on his wife with, get their point of view. Oh, they're on there. The porn star on there. The porn star might not be on there, but there are more than one that are. Okay. Well, uh, there's more than one. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll watch it and get my thoughts on the story on the uh, Instagram page. Anything else, Big Hawk? That's it for me. All right, guys. Well, we are going to spin this up, uh, get it out to you, to the masses. We're going to go, uh, you know, we're going to go knock on Sheed's door, do a, a welfare check on that guy, make sure, uh, you know, his couch isn't on fire. And until then, we'll see you next time. Stay safe. Stay safe. Stay safe.